This is Typical Lydia, and you are listening to Reanimation on the Dead as Hell Horror Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about the wallflower. Some may consider it horror, some may not. It really is for horror fans by horror fans. And even more interestingly, it revolves around a female horror fan. Now, she's no booth babe. Quite the opposite. You'd be hard-pressed to get her anywhere near a booth, actually. She's unkempt. She's a loner. She's actually a little scary herself. And for the most part, she wants to stay that way. Those who know me could say that I like this because I'm a lot like her. So it's more of a Jose anime. It's for girls. Male and female relationships are highlighted more often, and the boys are illustrated in a way to appeal to the female gaze. I, for one, appreciate that. Having some nice-looking guys, and more than one in the anime, is very welcome. The boys are similar in physique to the guys you would see in the anime Swimming, which I'll never, ever review on this show, even if those boys bled out their ears and cracked their skulls open on a daily basis. I wouldn't cover that. I'll also never cover Moon Phase, because even though it is about a vampire, it is way too moe and way too girly. Not that I don't put on my kitty cat ears, go pause up and watch a little Moon Phase from time to time. I just won't be talking about it on reanimation. First things first though, I've been catching up on my Tokyo Ghoul. There was a few episodes where things were lagging, it wasn't quite as bloody, and we're getting into the storyline, and we're getting into the relationships between the other ghouls, and their histories, and their offspring, and things like that, where I was getting a little bit tired of the storyline already. And then episode 8 happened, and turned that all around. The storyline was starting to take over from the gore, excitement, and horror aspects. That's never bad if the story is compelling. For example, Death Note. There's a lot of storyline and background. There's not a lot of horror happening and action and gore happening, but it is extremely compelling and the mystery is compelling and the characters. Tokyo Ghoul just hasn't steeped with me yet and the pacing changed. So for two episodes, things were getting a little bit too quick and you weren't getting as involved in the storyline that they were kind of shoving down your throat. In episode seven, Kanika gets his mask, which is great because any more time spent with Uda is good time spent from my point of view. And we learn a little bit more about the kinke, the weapons used by the doves, which seem to be recycled kagane. Of course, aside from Kanike donning his mask finally and opening the mouth of his mask, having to see him fight one of the doves is probably my favorite scene. Although it starts out a little weak, it gets pretty brutal pretty quick. Another interesting thing with Tokyo Ghoul this time around is the use of a musical piece that seems very, very closely based on Carmina Bruana. And you'll remember that in the opening scene where Kanike is talking to his friend in the cafe, there's a song that's very similar to the title music from Necromantic, which one sick puppy talked about not too long ago on another episode of Dead is Hell Horror Podcast. So if you missed that episode, take a pause, go back to the Necromantic episode and take a listen because it's one of my favorite films. Now, in this future episodes of Tokyo Ghoul, there's another musical piece that they've used. So it makes me curious to see what sort of music they'll be using in the future that sounds like music from other famous films and other horror films. If you're brave enough, go watch Necromantic itself. Now back to Wallflower. Wallflower is a story of four boys that live in a wonderful mansion alongside a girl named Sunako. 
Now, Sunako was pushed into their foursome living arrangement by her aunt, who is their landlord. She has Sunako living there under the arrangement that the boys are going to turn her into a lady. If they fail to turn her into a lady, their rent will triple. If they succeed in turning her into a lady, they get their rent for free. And it's a beautiful mansion, so you can sort of understand where these four winsome, willful high school boys want to get rent for free in a mansion in Tokyo. Sunako is a hard case, though. Like I said, she's unkempt. She watches horror movies. You would have to see the first episode, and I highly recommend the first episode. Even if you don't like the sounds of this anime, and because it's not blood splattering everywhere, and it's not horror with ghosts and goblins and such, um, I'd have to say watch the first episode. If you're not hooked by the story, whatever, but it's a highly entertaining watch, whether you get through the whole season or not. From the get-go, Sanaka will remind you of someone crawling out of a well and ring. For sure. She's all black hair, pale face, dark eyes, and she's coming at them through a bush, and she looks like a monster herself. Within moments, she's sequestered into her room with her horror films on repeat with the volume too loud and horror memorabilia on the walls. She has a medical skeleton as one of her closest friends alongside two anatomy mannequins that are her closest confidants that live in her room with her. And that's about all she does, is spend time talking to these anatomical dummies and a skeleton and looking at her medical specimens in her dark, dark room. Of course, there is a fair share of blood. She gets nosebleeds very often, especially when she's talking to the radiant creatures, which is what she calls the boys or any good-looking boy that happens to be way too close to her. She has a lot of trouble around the radiant creatures. And she's also a great cook. That's one of her skills that she does seem to share with people around her, although it's very bloody. If you can imagine this girl who looks like she crawled fresh out of the well and she's coming from her dark room with her medical dummies and her medical specimens and you hand her a knife and ask her to chop up fresh dead things, it's maniacal, it's quite macabre, and it's a very entertaining scene, especially coming from someone who might be mistaken for someone a lot like Sunako. You'll see a little bit of yourself in Sunako, especially when she's got a vile grin and covered in blood and she's chopping up meat. It's not without its share of homage to the horror genre as far as the films that she's watching. And it's not without little gothy throwbacks like her petting pumpkins and befriending spiders. Many episodes revolve around things like haunted houses. There's Halloween episodes. There's a ghost pirate island episode. So there are horror elements within every single episode. So there is something there for horror fans in every single one. And it does revolve around a horror fan. And you're going to really be able to commiserate with her wanting to rather be left alone, not made into a lady, go watch horror films. One of the biggest plot hooks about Sunako is that she was told that she was ugly two years before coming to live with these four radiant creatures by a boy that she liked. So she's really believed that she's ugly. Because of the animation styles that are used in this anime, it's hard to tell. There's quite a few stills where she's made to be a very, very beautiful, long-haired, fair-haired maiden. And most of the time you see her in a chibi form where it's impossible to tell what she looks like except for like a, a pouting or stomping kid or a gleeful little kid that's dressed up as a little grim reaper and petting a pumpkin or whatever. Um, so it's hard to tell what she's supposed to look like. In the first episode, though, you sort of see the different 
aspects of her. You see her in a little chibi form. You see her uh, covered in flour where they think all of a sudden that she's extremely beautiful. And then they wash the flour off. You have to see the episode to understand what I mean. And you get to see that her skin isn't taken care of and she does have her hair over her eyes and her face so it's hard to see what she looks like and she does walk with a stoop posture so she doesn't hold herself like a beautiful girl but later on in episodes you see that she is extremely beautiful and very very attractive and she does have a very attractive soul and she's full of honor and the honor actually comes to play in a lot of the messages that are anti-bullying because Sunako was bullied and continues to be bullied and rejects these bullies very, very violently and violently to the point of her ninja sword skills. She does pull out a sword many times and she does kick ass a million times and there is blood involved in some of these battles, but it's really nice that it does flip that on its head that she was bullied. She pushes society away. She's a horror fan, so she has something to cling to. And it is interesting that most of the sexual harassment is doled out on one of the particular guys that she lives with. It's not a pivotal plot point, but it is pivotal to his makeup as a character. And it really feeds a dynamic between him and Sinako as well, where she is this bullied person that feels absolutely not sexual and projects absolutely not one ounce of sexuality, where he's extremely sexual to the point that it debilitates his lifestyle. They become very, very close friends. And that's a really interesting aspect of the storyline, aside from little things like the hearts of pigs that she keeps in her room and stuff that we as horror fans find extremely cool, like the skeleton that she talks to. There's a lot of girls stalking her roommates, which is kind of hilarious. It's not boys fawning over hot anime girls this time. It's uh, legions and legions and legions of normal looking anime girls fawning over these four poor unfortunate men. And the goth Lolly sisters are another aspect of the goth horror culture, maybe, where they are creepy in their own right without being horrific. It's kind of horrific the way they stalk these boys, though. And her father seems to be almost demonic, almost like satanic. He is so strict and so traditionally Japanese, but he's so afraid of what's going on in her room. Medical specimens, skeletons, splattered blood, horror movies. He hates it so much he faints. That's what Sunako says to describe why her and her father don't get along. So Wallflower, one of my favorite horror type animes, not necessarily horror in that it's based on a ghost story or a murderer or killing and there's not blood splattering. There is blood every episode usually, but it's usually coming out of someone's nose or out of a fish or something like that. Fairly innocent compared to some of the horror that we're going to cover in upcoming episodes with the strange body horror infectious pupa. And then of course I'll come back and talk about Tokyo Ghoul as I catch up on it because that has got to be one of the bloodiest, most fun, fascinating animes I've seen in a while. Next we'll be talking about another, which is a great series that I've had the pleasure of catching up on and it was recommended to me a million different times by several different people and two different people have asked me if I'm going to be covering it for this podcast and yes indeed it is deliciously bloody and wonderfully haunted. I am Typical Lydia and you've been listening to Reanimation on the Dead as Hell Horror Podcast. If you have any questions, input, or want to suggest something for me to watch, get a hold of me on Twitter at Typical Lydia or wherever you hang out online.